Everybody, this is uh, Gwinnett, Pastor Gwinnett from uh, Labarge and her husband, Pastor of Church in Labarge, Wyoming. Good friends of mine. Uh, she's got something that she wa- I'm going to ask her to share. The Lord gave me a picture for y'all. It was a question mark. And in the room we, we were meeting that night, I saw this big, huge, white question mark walking around the room. And then in the midst, there'll be some little question marks. So some of you had small questions, and some of you had big questions. And questions are not bad, except they can become me, me, me. Think of a picture for question mark. It goes around, comes around, and goes down. So picture your body as a question mark. It would be part of you standing straight. Then it'd be bent over and your head would be tucked all over to where you'd be navel gazing. When you start asking too many whys, you're not talking to the Lord. You're looking at yourself, navel gazing. Why? Why? What about me? What about this? Why? Why? And you're not looking up. You're looking down. Tonight is a night for many of you who have questions to stop looking at your navel as why, but look up and become an exclamation point. Become the carrier of his glory. Become the carrier of his love. Become the carrier of answers. Walk straight, looking forward to the Father, not at yourself. Okay, Okay. so if you are a pastor or church uh, senior leader, would you stand up, please? Don't you go too far, Joshua. Just stand there. If you are, okay. Okay, so the people that are around, would you just lay hands on these people, please? Just reach out. If you've got to move, move. I, I really felt um, the Lord say for all of you pastors um, that he was drawing a line in the sand right now. That all that has been before has come to an end. The Bible says the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. I want to prophesy over you a change in the season that you've been in. I want to prophesy and I speak now for a drawing of a line, a coming to an end of the season that you've been in. And that doesn't mean it's been a bad season or a difficult season or whatever it means. It might have been for some of you. But I see the Lord drawing a line in the sand and says, that's it. That season has finished. That season has finished. That season has finished. And we'll celebrate the season that is finished. But I want to speak over you now a spring-type season. It's a season where things that have been sown for plenty of times before begin to sprout, begin to come alive. A new growth, a new sense of passion, 
a new sense of calling, a restoration of the very things that the Father spoke to you when you first said yes. When you first said yes, and there's been such robbing that has been taking place, such robbing that has robbed you of joy. Well, I prophesy a restoration of joy. The joy of your salvation will begin to return. The joy of what you've called into will just suddenly miraculously open up. Some of you are going to wake up in the middle of the night laughing. Some of you can laugh right now. (laughs) The joy of your salvation is going to come. It's going to be restored. A restoration. A restoration a restoration of the joy, of the privilege of what the Father has called you into. It's going to melt some of the hurts. It's going to heal some of the pain. No, it's going to heal all of the pain. It's going to cause mountains to come down to their proper place. It's going to lift you up and cause you to soar, to mount up like wings on eagles and to no longer be earthbound but be in that place where the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, is just opening up. The greatest gift that this household can give you is joy. Joy. Joy, joy, (laughs) receive it. Come on, you pastors, receive it. Take it, take it, it's yours. Take it, it's okay, it's okay. You take it, take it, take it, take it. Receive it, receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. I really feel like I I have, I really feel like I have a prophetic um, permission from God to declare new days over your ministry. New days. A new day and a new season. All right, a new day and a new season. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Questions turned into exclamation marks. I command things that are really robbing you, things that are almost insurmountable to start to dissolve, things to start to dissolve. I declare breakthroughs. I declare supernatural breakthroughs, things that will happen to you this coming week that will be nothing short of miraculous. 
nothing short of miraculous. Nothing short of miraculous. Come on, nothing short of miraculous. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Let's have a seat. One of the wonderful thing of um, being in this sort of environment for somebody like myself is it's uh, I have no idea where to go next. You know. Can I? That's it. That's good. No. <laughs> so I just want to keep going with that um, whole thing of um, um, re- restoration of um, hope. You know, uh, in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 26, it says that we're made in the image of God. We're made in the likeness of God. Um, you know, so the wonderful thing about that um, is when you understand that concept, you understand that we're made, we're made like God. We're not God, but we're made like Him. So we're made for a lot of things. We're made for worship. And, uh, you know, we, we've, got to, we've got to get to understand that God's definition of foolish is a lot different than ours. It's a good word, Mark. When you think of David when, when he, was, he just, just went wild dance, dancing. Um, and God really loved that. His wife didn't, but... Yeah, you want to be careful. Some of you, some of you, some of you men, um, you, you know how to yell and cheer and 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 be be loud at a baseball game and a football game, but something happens when you walk in here. It's just like you you turn down the volume. Some of you sing really well in the shower, but you're quiet. Here. Anyway, it's just by and by. Anyway, Genesis says um, that we're made in the image of God, we're made in his likeness, so we're made for a lot of things. When you start thinking about the nature of God, we're made for generosity. Made to be generous. Made for abundance. We're made for health. That's why our body reacts to sickness. Because it, it doesn't like sickness, it, it does. Because the body's made to heal itself. Now, when God made Adam and Eve, they were made in their likeness. They're made in God's, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in their likeness. They're made in tripartite beings. We talked about this morning. There's well, something interesting that happens a few chapters later because. The, the enemy comes to, to Eve and says to, to Eve, um, you know, about what she could eat and all those sort of things. She said, we can eat of everything except there's one tree. We can't partake of that. And, um, and uh, 
he says to her, well, you won't die like you, you think you are. Let me tell you the truth. Now, this is the father of lies saying, let me tell you the truth. I mean, it doesn't sound right, is it? Hello? Okay. So the, here's the enemy saying to her, what's actually going to happen is if you eat of this, your eyes will be opened and you'll become like God. Huge problem. They were already like God. So in that moment, a lie is released that they believe. And this is the lie. If you do something like eat of this, then you will become like God. If you do, if you behave in some particular way, then you will become significant and worthy and you'll become like God. And the lie has been throughout the human race where we, where we live in a place of performance for God. We try, to, we try harder Christianity. We just try harder. I've just got to try harder. If I just try a little bit harder. Listen, if you can do that, then please save yourself. It's not about that. The Bible says submit to God. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So none of us can do anything to save ourselves. It's only his saving. So we are made in the image of God. And the most interesting thing is that when Jesus is baptized and comes up out of the water, the Father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He validates. He says, this is my son. Now, let me give you a quick Mark Crawford theory. The Bible says that we're in Christ, right? I believe that God lives outside of time. He created time for us to live in. I think he created, and one of the wonderful things about creating time is that you can actually, things can be changed. It's not set in eternity. To go back in time and he can change things because he lives outside of time. Isn't that cool? Because it means that we can, we can be saved. And he can fix up the problems of the past. He can go back in time and heal something that happened that's been affecting us for years and years. Yeah? Is that good? Is that good news? Okay. So, so Jesus uh, is baptized. He says, this is my son in, in whom well pleased. We're in Christ. I, I think that God was looking from the end of time back to that point, and he was seeing every person that would be in Christ and was saying, this is my son, this is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. So he's talking about you. He's talking about me. He's talking about every person that was going to come into Christ. Yeah. I mean, if you're struggling with that, then stop. Sorry, it's just my Aussie humor. So, Jesus, baptized, comes in the water, and he goes into the wilderness. He's led into the wilderness. Okay? Now, just stop thinking that the wilderness is a bad place. Okay? 
The wilderness is always a transition point from one part of your life to another. And it's where the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. He's leading him out of the life that he's led so far, wonderful that it is, and he's releasing him in power to the next part. And so what happens, the very first thing that the enemy does is he questions the word of God. If you are the son, then prove it. He's back to his old tricks. Right? I mean, you do understand that the enemy is not, is not the creator. He just copies things. He uses the same tricks over and over. Okay? So he's using the same thing that he used with Adam and Eve. Except Jesus doesn't fall for it. And Jesus breaks that curse. He breaks that thing on whole of mankind so you don't have to live in a place that you live a life performing to get some identity. You don't have to perform for God because God cannot love you any more or any less than he does right at the moment. So quit trying to impress him. You already do. You already do. Now, can you be a blessing to him? Absolutely. He rewards those who diligently seek it. Can you, can you do things more? Yes, you can. But the proper order is out of your being. I am an adopted son or daughter of the Most High. And I want to tell you that the thing that robs the people of God from walking in the authority and power that God has given us. You can sing all you like about the fact that the power, power has come. You can, you can declare and recite um, uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and, you, you know, and power shall come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. You can recite all of those things. But I tell you, if you do not understand who you are, Truly who you are, not just head knowledge, but to understand that your worth does not come in what other people will identify and say. You see, we live in a world, we live in a world where what people do identifies their worth. Yeah? I mean, you get some men together. I, in, in my country, I, I suppose it's the same here. You get some men together and they start talking. Before very long, somebody will say, what do you do? What do you do? And they're wanting to connect, but what's really happening is they're trying to fit where they're trying to find where they fit in the social state, you know, ladder. You know, of course, doctors and lawyers. I know they've been through college and did all sorts of training and whatever else. Um, but there's often because of a higher um, um, position that you have in in a prof profession that you see yourself or people see themselves often. I'm being generalistic here. They see themselves uh, more superior than somebody um, who is a, is a, works in a trade, for instance. Because the world is taught that what you do is more important than who you are. And I want to say to you, it's wrong. It's a lie. And many of us are brought into the lie without even realizing it. You can start to tell 
you can start to tell where people's identity is. Now, I'm speaking from my own experience. My father taught me something that I had to get rid of. You know, he didn't mean to that. It was just how he was raised, but he was a perfectionist. And so he communicated to me that whatever I did wasn't good enough. And so I learned that my worth or identity as a person was by achieving more and more and more and more. And you know, (coughs) Bill Johnson says that um, perfectionism is is a demonic spirit because you are never right. You're never good enough. And there are people in this room, you beat yourself up. Um, there are people in this room that your worth um, is tied up with, with who you are. And you can often tell that. Um, you can often tell that when something happens and, uh, you, you know, um, people don't want to, people don't want to uh, appear foolish in front of other people. If you are afraid of feeling foolish in front of other people, you know, like for instance, if I said, oh, come on, all the men come out the front here and we're going to get the band back up and, and we're going to start dancing before the Lord, how, how would you feel? Yeah, he's got set free. Just, just think for a moment. What other things trigger that as far as, as, as your worth? You know, um, do, do you, you know, and, and we can go on, you know, for list of this, but the point is, the point is that we are all been adopted into the family and sons and daughters uh, operate differently um, than, than people who are orphaned, spirited, who live as a beggar. That, uh, that happens, sons live differently. Okay, let me give you a quick example, and um, and then we'll well, we'll start seeing what else God has done. Um, I will, will turn up to my parents' house. Um, my mother um, died uh, a couple of months ago, last year, um, but I still still go and visit my father. But I, I just I just walk in to the house and um, hi, Dad, and when Mum was alive, you know what's going on and. Um, I'd go look to see what she cooked, what cookies. And I, of course, I always knew where my mother hid the candies. And now I know where my dad hides them. <laughs> because he's a diabetic and he's not supposed to be eating them. So I, I would just go and put the kettle on and make myself a cup of tea. Um, and I'd just make myself at home. I'd just look through the mail that's lying around and just, you know, and my children say to me, Dad, what are you doing? This is Nana and Pa's house. What are you doing? I mean, I don't get it. They do that at our house. <laughs> they just take stuff out of the fridge. and So anyway, I, I just make myself at home. Now, the reason I make myself at home is because I'm a son. I have a legal right. In fact, my parents love it. 
My mother, when she was alive, she loved it. She used to tell everybody that I would come and eat her chocolate chip cookies and her, and she made this beautiful apricot walnut loaf. And she'd make it for me. I'm not supposed to eat it, but she would make it. <laughs> and she'd always say to me, it's okay, you can eat it. She knew full well that I couldn't, but she'd made it. And she delighted that I would come and I would eat it. And I would love it and I would t- you know, tell her. She used to make this sponge, a sponge cake. You know what a sponge, you know? She'd make it out of corn flour. It was the lightest thing. It was like eating heaven. And, oh, I can just taste it now. I'm just going there for a minute. Just give me a moment. And she, she would she would, she'd make this. And she, she used to delight in the fact that my wife couldn't make it. And, you know, you know what it is. Nobody cooks like your mother. <laughs> Some of you are brave enough to agree with me. That's true. Nobody makes chocolate chip cookies like my mother. Or those, all the, the cooking, no one liked it. And so I would go and I would eat it. And she loved the fact that I would have. Now, what happens if I went to another household and I walked into that household and, uh, I, and uninvited, and I went in there, and I made myself at home, and I started eating, and all of those sorts of things, what would happen? I would be arrested. Huh? Yeah, if I was in Wyoming, I'd get shot. <laughs> Thank goodness we got gun laws in Australia. Oh, sorry. No, I, 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 would, I would have a free ride in the back of a police car which would be quite embarrassing for me because I'm an ex-police officer. <laughs> now, what's the difference? Same behaviour, same behaviour in this house is not acceptable. Same behaviour in this house is not only acceptable, it's delighted in, it is absolutely loved upon. What's the difference? The difference is I have legal right in my family's household as a son, right? (coughs) And I tell you tonight, God has been over a number of years, but he's turning up the dial. He's turning up the dial of understanding about who you are. You see, sons... Bring heaven to earth. Jesus, our son, was the answer to all of the problems of earth. Not a servant. He served. But the answer is always a son. Can you understand why God wants to restore the understanding, the experience of his people to understand you have been adopted into his family. And the laws of this country and the laws of my country are so tough about adoption. You go through the whole process of it, of adoption, um, and you become adopted. As I understand the laws, you cannot be unadopted, cannot be disinherited. Once you've gone through that process, you can't be unadopted. So the problem is you. 
and me and our understanding of where our worth comes from, where our significance comes from, where our value comes from. You see, to understand that you're a son and walk in it and live it is the most freeing thing. Just think about it. If you're no longer concerned about what other people think of you, if you're no longer reluctant to be salt and light because you're not concerned about how other people see you, but you're so concerned about how the Father sees you. It makes a lot of difference. It makes a lot and a lot of difference. Would you like to close your eyes? I'm just asking you to close your eyes because I would just like you to just concentrate just for a minute or two. <coughs> now, I, I want to speak over your life as you are seated in this place. And I want to speak to destiny in you. I want to speak to dreams in you, dreams that you have laid hold of. And I want to speak into those areas. And I want to release hope. I want to release hope today. But more importantly, I want to release joy and peace. I want to release joy and peace because Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace so that you may believe that you can abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to abound in hope tonight, an expectation, a confidence in the dreams that God has put in you, the destiny he's put on your life, the sonship that he paid a price for you. As you be able to step into it, suddenly as you leave this place tonight, you feel like I have stepped into a whole different understanding. I don't know what happened, but something happened tonight when I was in that church building, when I was in the worship, when I was just in that Kairos moment, something happened. Something took place. Something impacted me. Something released me. And that dream starts to come back to life. And I speak life into it. When that destiny that was on your life began to flow again and again, 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 and again, and again. Hmm. So, Father, I just breathe on the dry bones of destiny and the dry bones, Father God, of dreams that, that some thought they died. I speak life to it. I speak life to it. 
I prophesy life to it, that those bones would come together and life would come in them and they would start to rise up, 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 rise up. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you a quick story. And then I want to pray for some people. Several years ago, um, I met Gwinnett at a conference. And um, then I met a husband, Tony, at another conference. And they invited me to come to uh, speak in their, in their church. They told me that it was a small town. I um, wasn't prepared for the small town that it was. <laughs> One of the things that I noticed about Tony was that, um, how do I put this? Um, five minutes with him was too long. He just had this atmosphere about him that made me want to leave. Anyway, I came back with my wife and, uh, and another, another couple and we were ministering in Utah and, um, you know, sort of how, how it is Friday night and Saturday night and two services on a Sunday morning and I was pretty exhausted. And then we had to drive from Ogden and in Utah into to Labarge and, you know, in our state, if you, if you drive more than two hours, you're off the end. <laughs> Are we driving three hours? Three and a half hours? And there's nothing. I mean, I've never seen desert. I mean, Australia is desolate, but there's only in the centre. I haven't even been there. You know, you know I live in a, in, a, in a very temperate climate. It's green and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I've, I've and we were so bored. These four adults were so bored that we were playing I Spy with My Little Eye. <laughs> and then we'd had enough of that. I went to Wyoming and I brought something that started with A. Anyway, we finally arrived in, in Labarge and I, and I got there and... I wasn't prepared for how small it was. At that time, I remember reading the population was 460 people. It felt like it was an exaggeration. <laughs> so anyway, we arrived, and uh, I, was, I was prepared to have a day or two to rest, you know, because we'd also come up to elevation and we weren't used to that. And uh, we arrived... And I'm told we have a meeting tonight. So we go into the, into the church to, to meeting. And, you know, what happens for me is that I, I have lots of sermons I can preach, but I, I, I want to hear what God's got for that particular group of people. This is what I've been waiting on all afternoon for you guys. And so uh, <laughs> and, and I've got nothing. So I'm down the front of this church when the worship time, and I am 
being a little um, unsun-like by begging God. God, give me something, give me something, give me something. I haven't got anything. So finally, I just quit begging. And I just lie there and just, and I said, whatever, God, what, whatever you want to do. And I had this, immediately had this vision. And I had this vision of uh, Tony and Gwinnett sitting in the middle of the, of, of the, of the building. And I'm prophesying, and I, I hear myself prophesying over them and declaring a father's blessing. I didn't even think it was legal to do it. I, I thought, can I do this? And um, it's different now, but... And, and so I got them out and started to prophesy and declare and to, to speak over their life and to speak about who they were and, and, and validate it and a whole lot of sort of stuff. And, and the, the, you know, like everything's running. The eyes and nose, like they're just bawling their eyes out and, and they end up on the floor, completely out to it. I hadn't been in this church before, so... <laughs> They had the pastor and his wife, the, the two leaders, on the floor out to it. So we minister to other people and then we take off. We're staying in his house. So finally Tony shows up and Tony walks in and he walks up to, my, walks up to me, almost nose to nose. Okay, now you, you've seen how big he is. And he comes up and he says, you have no idea what you've just done. And I'm thinking, I'm about to find out. And then he starts to relate the story. <coughs> Two weeks prior, he'd been with a group of pastors, a, a couple from, friend Pat from Casper, and they'd asked him, what do you want God to do? What, you know, and pressed him and pressed him till he finally says, I'll tell you what, I want a father to come and to tell and release a blessing over my life and to tell me who I am to declare that Father's blessing. And then he went on to tell me about his own dad, about him never ever remembering, saying he loved him, and even when he was dying, you know, he said, I, I, I love you, Dad, and he his dad turned his head the other way. Don't we have an amazing Father that would bring me thousands of miles to a town of 460 people that looks like the moon <laughs> to declare a father's blessing over him. Can I tell you, five minutes is now not enough time. Something happened. Okay? Um, and, and I don't even I don't even mind how bad he drives. <laughs> He's one of these people that thinks because he pays taxes he can use both sides. <laughs> you know, soon after soon after that, he goes to Kenya. I think it's your second trip. He goes to Kenya. And he has these Maasai warriors, young men, saying to him, you're a father. Father us. Speak into our lives. Just to Haiti, same thing. Been there previously, that hadn't been the case. 
You see, there's something happens when God declares something that's been missing, right? And no, we're not blaming anybody, not blaming his father or whatever else, but something was missing. And what happened was that father's blessing that was missing of him, what it had in effect to do was repel people, which wasn't what he wanted. And he was often trying to be in a place where it, it was like, I, I want you to love me. And so he would try hard, but there was a repelling that would take place. And it all changed on that first visit. And so, you know, we've been great friends ever since because you, you, your whole life changed. Just a moment, a Kairos moment can make a difference. Now, some of you, when I was telling that story, something stirred in you. Something leapt. Something cringed. Something happened in you. That it was almost like you said, um, I'd like to see that happen. And I would like to give you an opportunity for us to pray for you tonight and I'd really like you to be bold um, because what if tonight everything changed like it did for Tony what, what if tonight everything changed because this crazy Aussie from Australia made a declaration over you and released the Father's blessing and everything changed. Everything made sense, like it did for Tony and Gwinnett. <coughs> and I'd hate you to be robbed from that because you didn't want to acknowledge that before all of us. You wanted to stay in your seat. So if that's you, gather up your courage Forget there's anybody else in the room and come on down the front and we're going to pray. And we're just going to simply just release the Father's blessing over your life. Maybe your father um, died before he was able to do that. Maybe, um, maybe, and this is not, and I don't want any person to feel like it's an indictment upon your father it's not. Okay? And if you, if you want to say that, let's come and have a line with your backs to, I'm sorry you have your backs to everybody, but you'll have your face towards me. Come on. Don't. Tremendous healing can come tonight. Once. Let's, uh, come on, I'll stand up here. And you come. Come forward as, as, as much as you can. Come on. I just want you to... Why don't you just close your eyes? You know, um, when the Bible talks about receiving, it, it doesn't really mean that you put your hands out waiting for something to fall into your hands. What it actually means is you grab hold of. You need to grab hold of this, what I declare. And you need to take it inside and possess it and say, that's mine. 
And when I speak over you tonight, I want you not to think that it's a whole bunch of people I'm speaking, but it's to you. I want you to hear your Father in heaven. I'm standing in that place. I'm his voice tonight. I'm prophesying to your life. I'm declaring something into your life that's going to go right into your spirit. It's going to bring release. It's going to release some things. It's going to release some limitation. It's going to cut off some of those things that sort of repel people away from you because it's not what you want. You're going to know what it is to be a son and a daughter because something's going to happen in the realm of the Spirit. Restoration's going to take place. In the last book of the Bible, it says that Elijah, um, the prophet, is going to bring the hearts of the fathers to the, to, the, to the sons and the sons to the father. There's a restoration going to happen. There's a reconciliation taking, going to take place as I speak over your life. So just so that you can concentrate and just be in a place, just close your eyes and just listen. What I'm going to say is as if you're the only person in the room. Tonight, this moment, I say to you, my son, my daughter, I am so proud of you. On behalf of your earthly father, I wish that I'd been able to say it. But as I see you standing here right now, I say, well, I'm proud of you. I am so proud of the person that you are. I am so proud of what you have achieved. I'm so proud of the person that you have become. And tonight, I lay my hand upon you. I lay my hand upon you, on your head. And as I lay my hand upon your head, I release the blessing of your Father, your Father in heaven and your earthly Father. That blessing that declares that you are my son and you are my daughter and I am so proud of you. I'm so in love with you. And just like liquid love, the love that you at times just wish for, now would just start to flow over you, the top of your head, like oil being poured out. Would just flow over the top of your head. Would just flow down through your body. Would just flow all over you. And you'll just feel this liquid love, this Father's love, this Father's blessing. And every area that you have regret, every area that you wish could have been different, suddenly just melts away, suddenly is just dissolved by that love. 
And where you used to repel people and situations, that turns around. Where confidence has been robbed from you, where courage has been robbed from you, tonight we release and you found confidence and you boldness and you courage and you ability to be able to stand with your head held high because you know that right now you are no longer an orphan. That you are no longer a person who doesn't know and hasn't experienced that blessing of the Father, but you are a son, a daughter, <coughs> adopted. And I prophesy that your best days are still ahead of you. I prophesy that your best days are still ahead of you. I prophesy that your best days are still ahead of you. I prophesy that your best days are still ahead of you. Anything else is a lie. Anything else is a lie. 